This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to Around the Dial, your one-stop shop for sports talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. And here we are again. Welcome to a brand new edition of Around the Dial, your home for your best sports talk for Thursday, April 25th. DA remains in Peru eating ceviche and watching soccer. So I'm Andrew Bogish filling in for him once again today, which is draft day in the NFL. It's been a long haul from the Super Bowl to now, but we have finally made it almost. We still don't know what the Arizona Cardinals will do at number one, and that choice between Kyler Murray or somebody else will lead to everything else that happens tonight in this draft. So that is where we begin. We're in Boston. We're on WEEI, and it's Adam Schefter of ESPN breaking down his latest on what actually might go down in the desert. I have a hard time envisioning, if you're correct, that you think that the Cardinals will take Kyler Murray number one, that they can go into the next couple of days, weeks, offseason with Kyler Murray and Josh Rosen on that roster. Let me say this. Yesterday I was asked on NFL Live, the team that is most likely to have Josh Rosen next year, and my guess, and I emphasize guess right now because this, this could change over the course of the next 24, 40 hours very quickly, I would say the Arizona Cardinals. Because there's been conversation there about keeping him on the roster, carrying the two quarterbacks, and not just giving him away for pennies on the dollar. They're not going to do that. So let's just say tonight the Miami Dolphins draft a quarterback or decide that they don't want to go that direction, and, and they don't seem overly interested to me. And let's say the New York Giants take Dwayne Haskins or Drew Locke or Daniel Jones or whichever quarterback they want. I don't see a landing spot, an obvious landing spot for Josh Rosen, and I certainly don't see a team willing to give something that would compel the Cardinals to go trade him because I don't think they're going to trade him for anything less than a two. So, by the way, even after tonight, four quarterbacks go in the first round tonight, I would presume, and then the dust settles, and then everybody can look at it and say, whoa, would we want Josh Rosen for a two? Now, there are going to be four teams that take new quarterbacks tonight. So four teams, I think, are going to be knocked out of that. I I don't see somebody that's jumping out right now that's rushing to go trade for Josh Rosen. And I do see Arizona being unwilling to trade him for anything less than a two. And I do see Arizona open to the idea, as awkward as it might be, of carrying him the way that the Cowboys once carried Troy Aikman and Steve Walsh the way that the 49ers carried Montana and Young, and I'm not telling you that Murray and Rosen are Montana and Young. I'm just giving you an example of a couple of good quarterbacks. And we've seen this happen where teams can carry quarterbacks. Now, maybe there's an injury this summer. Maybe some quarterback gets in trouble. Maybe somebody gets into a situation where 
there's a scenario that you didn't envision unfolding, unfolding, and they say, you know what, let's go trade a two right now for Josh Rosen. But Arizona's not going to rush to give him away. There hasn't been a whole lot of interest in him up until now. That could change the moment the first round unfolds and somebody gets shot out of a quarterback, but they absolutely do not have a deal in place. I am absolutely not withholding anything, and I absolutely believe that I gave you a real, honest, true sense of the way that that situation now stands. Does that include his price going down, though, once they draft Kyler Murray? Don't teams know at that point? They, 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 they trust the price is already down. His price is down. Like, how much further is he going to be? And I don't think it goes down anymore. He's a quarterback. He's a quarterback that was picked with the 10th overall pick last year. He's a quarterback that's due to make $1.2 million this year, $1.9 million next year. I think it's $2.6 million the third year. Then you have a fifth-year option on the guy. So you could get Josh Rosen for the next three years for over $6 million, which is a bargain for a quarterback. Have him on an option year as well. And so his value doesn't go down. It is what it is. He's a talented quarterback. But he's a talented quarterback that has also turned off some teams due to his attitude. So this on my podcast this week. Basically, last year, I had a head coach use a D word to describe him. And it's not the D word you think. It would be more of a female D word. <laughs> oh, say, man. To say, basically, I don't want, you know, this D as the captain of my, as the leader of my football team. That's Adam Schefter on WEEI in Boston. A couple of things to pick up on there. I agree with Schefter and actually feel smart now hearing him say it because I said this earlier in the week, maybe even to you, but certainly uh, on CBS Sports Radio. There's almost no value, relatively speaking, in Josh Rosen right now pre-draft. If Steve Kine, the Cardinals GM, makes a phone call before we get to the podium trying to trade Josh Rosen, every other GM is going to know what he's trying to do and who he's going to pick, so they're not going to give him basically anything for Rosen. Rosen regains value as round one plays out if teams that need quarterbacks don't get one or don't want to take one of the ones that's on the board when it's their turn, then Rosen gets his value back, whether it's the Giants, the Dolphins, Washington, anybody else. If they make their first round pick and don't get a quarterback that they still want one, and here's Josh Rosen still in Arizona for the Cardinals who just took Kyler Murray. Now there could end up being something close to a bidding war to get Rosen for, say, a very early second-round pick. That, to me, is where the value is restored in him. It's not now. It's not before the draft. It's after it, and as Schefter, or at least after round one, and as Schefter points out, too, we're talking about a quarterback who was a top-ten pick a year ago, highly regarded, Yes, his value is decreasing, and the Cardinals are not going to get a top 10 pick, I can't imagine, for him, but they're also not going to get a dime for Josh Rosen either. We move on, but staying under center, now we're in Pittsburgh. Yesterday, on Wednesday, the Steelers accomplished their pre-draft goal of getting an extension done with Ben Roethlisberger, two years on top of what he was already going to make here in 2019. It's three years, it's $37.5 million, a signing bonus, 80-plus million, I think, now over these three years, so they get that done. But now their next decision is the guys behind him, Joshua Dobbs and Mason Rudolph. So here's the Fan Morning Show on 93.7 in Pittsburgh. It just dawned on me, too. Do you explore trading Mason Rudolph now, even tonight? Do you just live with Dobbs as your backup? Because their contracts, Ben Roethlisberger and Mason Rudolph's, are going to come due at the same time. Perfectly aligned, yeah. You know, and are you going to wait around? Is Mason Rudolph going to wait around? Do you want to have him wait around? 
until he's 26 years old to legitimately get a shot as a starter in the NFL. But could you get something for him right now for somebody who would give up some value? Well, And I, they're not going to give up a ton of value. But what point does it have to have Mason Rudolph right now? Well, if there's a catastrophic injury to Ben Roethlisberger, you can turn the page. Like a, we, we, and knock on wood, this is not something we, we want to foresee happening. But if Ben Roethlisberger were to have something happen to where he couldn't play football again, and he's getting to that age where that happens sometimes to quarterbacks, uh, you'd have your next quarterback still in place. Well, then he better get number two reps this year. Uh, like It's going to be interesting with this contract extension that now they've made a commitment to Ben, not necessarily for the long haul, but for three years. Right. What's going to happen with the backup reps from day well, one this year? And you know what's weird about that is that this this offseason and, and then even through to training camp, Ben's going to have to do more than he's done the last several years. Yes, <laughs> because it's a new dynamic with 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 new receivers. I know mm-hmm. Juju returns, but James Washington's unproven. Moncrief is new. They're going to draft somebody, uh, so I think he's going to have to get and probably a tight end thrown yeah, in as well. Right? Yeah, more reps than than he would normally get. You know, maybe they'll try to try to take care of that during the OTAs and, and the you know the, the stuff they're they're already doing some doing some at least workouts on the south side, but but um. It's 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 difficult to get to get enough reps because but typically in training camp Roethlisberger is not going to do much of anything, and you have well, the other if, two guys battle it out, which I think they can I think they can still do that because you're not going to risk him in the exhibition games, but you need well, to play no, you, those you other throw guys. Rudolph goes out there and takes almost not almost every snap, but the majority of the snaps in preseason when Ben really only plays what that. The, the all-important third game. Third preseason game, right. So Rudolph goes out there, and you try to assess, but I don't know how you accurately assess what you have in Mason Rudolph over the next three years if this is still, this is extending a quote-unquote window, right? A build around Ben Roethlisberger where this team can compete for championships or should consider itself at least thinking about That's why for tonight you can't get some run. Okay, the contract was signed yesterday. They completed the contract with a generational quarterback, the best quarterback in Pittsburgh Steelers history for it doesn't matter what you do on the back end of this if he gets another couple years or not. This is it. This is the last run. This is the 10th round. This is the big punch. He's got a little bit left. Let's do it. You can't go get some goof from Washington to play corner for you. And the kid isn't a goof. I just say that. I apologize to him for calling him a name. But you can't go get some run-of-the-mill guy and hope you're good. You can't stand Pat. No. You just went out and extended You need to make a trade, and you need to. You may fall flat on your face. One of the two Devons may not be good. It may end up being, but everybody's pointing to the fact that these guys are going to be game changers in the NFL. Mm -hmm. What you need to do is you need to trade up for White, you need to trade up for Bush, one of the two, and you need to do that. Because what you have done, you've made a commitment to the quarterback in the organization to say, this is it. We are mounting up one last time. He's the last killer bee left. Uh, the the it, need it, to capitalize. I, mean, it, I don't count Boswell Boss, anymore. Right. No, 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 no. Vince. No. The, the need to capitalize <laughs> on these next three years <laughs> has never been more heightened. Right. The Fan Morning Show on 93.7 in Pittsburgh. The Steelers do have some house cleaning still to do behind Ben Roethlisberger. But most importantly, they have figured out Ben Roethlisberger as they try to fix whatever has broken them over the last couple years. And it's somewhat alarming. Le'Veon Bell is gone. Antonio Brown is gone. Mixing some poor results on the field. That postseason loss two years ago to Jacksonville still very much fresh in my mind. I love Mike Tomlin. I love the organization in general, but they're in a very precarious spot right now, and I would not be shocked. I would not be shocked 
if the Steelers are seriously considering a coaching change not fully a year from now, but after the coming seasons. I'm not sure things are going to go well again. It might just be time for a new voice, somebody other than Mike Tomlin. Here in New York, where I'm sitting right now, the debate continues about what the Giants should do with pick six or 17, wherever it may be. They still need a quarterback of the future. I think that guy is Dwayne Haskins, although I prefer him value-wise at 17, not 6. However, he's not going to be there at 17. A caller this morning on WFAN asked Boomer Sison about Dwayne Haskins. Okay, uh, Boomer. How, yes. Good morning. How good are morning. you? Good. The first time, and I follow Maryland uh, football and Ohio State. The first time I saw Dwayne Haskins play, I said I wanted him for the Giants. Wow. So I'm lockstep with you. I don't think they're going to get him at this point, and I think it would be a terrible mistake. Well, you know, I, I, I certainly agree with you, Gail. Uh, I think that um, Dave Gettleman wants some sort of pass rusher. That's what it seems like to me. That's what all the kind of indicators are. And if you now all of a sudden hear about Daniel Jones, I think they're kind of warming up the fan base to get ready for them to take Jan- Daniel Jones as the heir apparent to Eli Manning. So it kind of makes it's a safe pick to me. It's a very con, a conventional and conservative pick if they decide to go that way. To me, thinking out of the box would be a guy like Dwayne Haskins. Especially, I would be very disappointed. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I, 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 and I think really for Giant fans, think about, you know, Saquon Barkley, Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, Evan Ingram, and Dwayne Haskins. The one thing I would say <laughs> about, about that scenario, and yes. everybody went nuts with the quarterbacks last year, and I understand that, is if you end up with that type of combination. Yeah. And, you know, everybody's gone nuts with, well, you took Saquon Barkley, what'd you win? It was his first year. You don't win every year. If you end up with the best player in football, which he might end up being at some point, and you end up with a quarterback of the future who could be Haskins, we don't know. We don't know if they're going to take him or not. Maybe they do. Maybe they stun us. Or you end up in this Daniel Jones, turns out to be that, and you end up with your next quarterback and what could be the best player in football. We might end up looking back and feeling like a bunch of idiots. If you think about the way we've kind of looked at this and viewed it and attacked them for the last year. Yeah, but here's the deal. The same thing goes on every single year around this time. And today is draft day. So people are asking our opinions. And you try to give the opinion, at least I try to give the opinion, on the position I know best, the position that I played. And I kind of go by personality. I also go by the performance on the field. And if there are any really red check marks around a person's character or any of that stuff, um, you know, I went through the process myself. I know exactly what they're looking for. Yeah, the game has changed a little bit, but still the most successful quarterbacks, the court, the quarterbacks that are getting the big money are the quarterbacks that stay in the pocket. And for me, that's the characteristic that stands out the most as far as Dwayne Haskins is concerned. He stands in there. He's not afraid to take a hit. And he certainly is as accurate as we've ever seen come out of college. Here's Robin Belmar next up on the Fan and CBS Sports Network. What's up, Rob? Jerry and Booms, how are you guys doing today? How are you? Wanted to pick your brain on the uh, the whole draft. Me and my buddy are debating who would have a bigger impact for the Giants immediately. Would it be Josh Allen or would it be Devin White if the Giants were lucky enough to draft them? I'll, uh, I'll hang up and hear your thoughts. All right, Robbie. I, I think uh, six is too high for Devin White. I think that's where Josh Allen, if he's there, I think they would take him. I really do. And I think that they want a pass rusher. That's why if he is there... Uh, I, I can't imagine them going away from them. They want defensive playmakers. They need guys on they defense. They do need that. You're right. God, they need it. I, I think they've worked on their offensive line. I think their offensive line is going to be fine. 
I think the addition of Kevin Zeitler is a great addition. I thought it was a really good trade to help solidify the center of the offensive line. If you have a statuesque quarterback that doesn't get away from people like Eli, then the best thing you could do is to make sure that the center of that offensive line is as stout as you possibly can can make it. And I think that's what Gettleman has tried to do here over the last year and a half. And I appreciate what he's trying to do there. So there's Boomer Esiason on Dwayne Haskins on WFAN in New York. Uh, I still think Haskins is the second quarterback off the board tonight. Murray's going to go before him, whether it's one or somewhere else. Once he goes, then Haskins goes. Haskins is going to be a good pro in my mind. He needs time to develop. That's why the Giants make sense. He doesn't have to play right away. Eli can do that this year, and then maybe it's next year when Haskins takes over. I know he's limited mobility-wise. Uh, there's been some questions about his work ethic. I think that's mostly smoke at this point. What we do know, the dude can throw it, and he can throw with accuracy, which is a thing that you can't really teach. To me, you're accurate or you're not. You can get a little bit better, um, but that to me is more an unteachable skill uh, to a certain extent, especially to the elite level. And I think Haskins, 70% passing last year in Ohio State, will certainly translate into the NFL. Now we're in Philadelphia. The Eagles certainly have some needs. They've got the number 25th pick in the first round on Thursday night. A lot of mock drafts have them going defense there. But Ike Reese and John Marks on WIP made the case for offensive line help to help protect Carson Wentz. To me... All this defensive line talk stuff. All these, you had these great players and great. Okay, whatever. If if all these defensive ends are these great talents, then they would all be gone in the top ten. So there, there is a there's depth at the position. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. When I look at the Eagles, you have a ton of money invested in Brandon Graham. You got a 14th overall pick invested in Derek Barnett. You got a ton of money invested in Fletcher Cox. You got a ton of money invested in Malik Jackson. Mm -hmm. You better start protecting that quarterback. Yeah, you're right. There's nothing on this team that's more important than the health of Carson Wentz. You're not going to beat me over the head for months all offseason about the health of Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz staying healthy. Health of Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz needs to stay healthy, and you got a ragtag, old-ass offensive line in front of him to protect him. Yeah, but so they, they, they I, definitely need youth in there. I'm reserving my lid blowing off if you don't get an offensive lineman of the future. You got a 37-year-old left tackle. You got an, an unknown commodity at left guard. You got a 30-plus-year-old center that retirement is swirling around him. You got a right guard that's coming off a torn Achilles. And you're telling me you're going to give Carson Wentz all this money? You're going to you're going to you're going to you're going to put a young offensive line in front of him that can protect him so that he's secured. It took Indianapolis a long time to realize that. Drafting running backs, drafting wide receivers, all this nonsense when Andrew Luck is back there getting his brains beat out. You better start drafting offensive linemen. You need a young, you need youth in the pipeline. You need somebody ready to step in next year and be a starter. Yes, and more importantly, you're right. You got to start supplementing some of these salaries. Yeah. Well, the misses on the drafts, you're right. The misses on the drafts and what they've had to spend in free agency to make up for that. Loading up at D-line makes no sense to me. Makes no sense to me where you have other areas 
of more pressing need. Wow. You're gonna you're gonna add another D lineman. Ooh, wide receiver. Ooh, let's 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 rush the quarterback. Ooh, let's get another wide out. When I got two tight ends, I can't get the ball to Marquise Brown with three other wideouts. Ooh, let's get the ball. Let's throw the ball. Throw it. Throw it. Throw it. So you, you're you're strictly offensive line. Get offensive line. I want an offensive. I need the, I need an anchor. I need an anchor with Lane Johnson. I need an anchor with Lane. I need bookend tackles. Don't give me Jordan Mailata and his ukulele. <laughs> Ike Reese and John Marks, WIP in Philadelphia. If the Eagles do go offensive line, Ike makes a really compelling case to do so because actually putting aside Carson Wentz's possible fragility. Hey, Donovan McNabb, who we'll hear from in just a second, by the way. Uh, you've got to protect. You've got to invest in protecting a player as good as Carson Wentz, who was having an MVP season two years ago before his first major injury, that knee being torn up. You've got to make sure that he is upright and safe and productive as long as possible, and they need help. They need to get younger, and they also need some cheap talent on that offensive line, as Ike laid out. The two names to keep an eye on if, uh, assuming things go the way we think they're going to go, Cody Ford, Caleb McGarry, two guys the Eagles could pull the trigger on at number 25. I just mentioned Donovan McNabb. He's already made an appearance indirectly on this podcast earlier this week because he took some shots over the weekend at Carson Wentz, kind of shots, not necessarily full-on hate. Uh, And that brought, though, a strong reaction from some current Eagles, and we heard from Lane Johnson on that front. Here's McNabb just talking football with the Mac attack on WFNZ in Charlotte. McNabb talks some quarterbacks, he talks some needs, and he talks his draft night. So I've got to ask you, you were picked number two in the draft. What an honor that is. I still look back. I'm like, man, Cleveland, Tim Couch, and then Donovan McNabb right after. That doesn't look good. But um, uh, such is Cleveland, such is Cleveland life in the past. What, what, what was your what was your draft night like? Because I, here's what I like. Here's what's interesting to me. You had this night, Donovan, where you worked your butt off to get to that point, right? And I mean, man, it is you're hitting the the jackpot. Second pick in the draft, it's a dream come true. And your pick is announced, and Philadelphia fans are like boo- that are at the draft are booing your selection. Did that make it bittersweet? Right. Did that make it bittersweet at all, or did you like? Did that not ru- ruin your night at all? Like, we all remember that. Did that matter to you? Looking back at that, you know what? It's funny. That was the, that was probably that was the first time that I've ever been booed. So yeah. you know, when you when you go through situations, it's your first time. You don't you kind of don't know what to expect. It's like, oh, that was interesting. I remember laughing back in the green room with my family, like, wow, I don't know if they're booing me or booing what, but that was funny. <laughs> and we were laughing about the whole deal. Uh, but I use that as motivation going forward. I, you know, I didn't hold any grudge up to anyone. You know, it, it, it's their opinion. And so I continue to move forward and just focus in on, on my, the task at hand. And that was for me to be uh, prepared and ready to go when the time came. Uh, and that's the way that I continue to approach things. So my drive day was, was fun. My draft day was one that I always remember because I got a chance to spend a lot of time with the guys that I watched or competed with uh, throughout the season, and we just kind of had the wait-and-see game. And I remember my agent telling me right right after the uh, pick went in for the Cleveland Browns that uh, Philly was really interested in how would I like to play in Philadelphia. And I was like, well, I mean, I would love to play in Philadelphia. You know, because I had some ties back in Philly from Syracuse where some, some friends were from the Philadelphia area. Uh, so I knew going, if I was drafted by him, I would at least have a home to go to, yeah. maybe get a home-cooked meal every now and then, 
see my friends. Uh, so it was a, it was a great time for me. And then when my name was called, man, taking that ride up the turnpike, you know, to go see Andy and and the rest of the staff, that was one. And man, I I just enjoy man going over the playbook and Brad Childress and I, who Brad had recruited me out of high school to go to Wisconsin. Mm. He was the offensive coordinator in Wisconsin. And so we're just reflecting on that and reflecting on where we are and uh, just kind of focusing on the future of the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, I guess he let that grudge go, right, that you went to Syracuse and didn't go to Wisconsin. I guess well, he... <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, I told him, I said, you didn't recruit me hard enough. <laughs> uh, I didn't think it would work out well, maybe because of your coaching, but I'll give you another chance. All right, last question for Donovan McNabb. You went to in the draft... This kid, Kyler Murray, uh, coming out of Oklahoma, might go number one as a quarterback. Some people still want to hold his size against him. What do you think? How good can Kyler Murray be in this league, or are the size questions something you'd be concerned about? Well, first and foremost, he's about the same size as, as Russell Wilson. Uh, he was three pounds heavier than Russell Wilson at the Combine. And Russell's had a pretty good career so far. I think it's worked out. Yeah. So <laughs> we, we, can, we can throw that size deal out of the question. Actually... I think he's the best player in the draft. There's a reason, reason he won the Heisman. Uh, he's a talented guy that, that can open up any type of offense. I think what Riley was able to do out there in Oklahoma shows you might have possibly two first-round, first picks of the draft at your quarterback position. That says a lot about him, and it also says a lot about the players. But uh, I just think for the Arizona Cardinals' sake, I think they stick with Josh Rosen because I think if he was the quarterback coming into this draft, he might be the best quarterback coming out or definitely top two. Donovan McNabb with our good friends on the Mac Attack in Charlotte. A couple of things to pick apart there from Donovan. Um, I I agree with him that Josh Rosen, if he was in this draft, might be the number one QB on the board. I, th- I still think Josh is good. I think it's really hard to hold anything against him from last year. It was an absolute cluster you-know-what in Arizona, and I don't know that we can know anything about Josh from out from the outside they know a few things about work ethic and study habits, that kind of stuff in Arizona. But as far as on the field with a full complement of talented offensive teammates, we know nothing about him. But I still like him. And going back to our earlier conversation, I'd still give an early second-round pick for him at some point during this draft process if the Cardinals do take Kyler Murray, who McNabb called the best player in this draft. And I think Donovan's just wrong there now. He knows that position really well. He knows football really well, better than me in theory. Uh, Kyler Murray maybe has the highest ceiling of anybody in this draft because if he does become Kyler Murray in the NFL the way he was in college football, he's going to be an awfully special player for a decade. Uh, but in particular, I think Quinnen Williams and Nick Bosa are better players at their positions than Kyler Murray is right now. The ceiling might be higher for Kyler, but he's not the best player in this draft. Bosa, Williams are better, and there's probably some other guys you would put on that list as well. Finally, we're in Baltimore. It's the Big Bad Morning Show on 105.7 The Fan. A surprise visit. I'll explain after the clip, uh, but here's Baltimore Ravens linebacker Matthew Judon stumbling on the set this morning, talking Ravens draft needs, remembering his draft night from a few years ago. Why is Matthew Judon walking across our, our window? That's not Matt Judon. What are you looking at? I said, at? yes, it is Matt Judon. <laughs> <laughs> What's and and here you are. How you doing, man? I'm all right, man. How y'all doing? Doing well, doing well. Now, now we talked about the draft, mm-hmm. and I said with wide receiver, you said just someone productive. <laughs> yeah, somebody that can play, you know, and thrive in our system, whether that's offense, defense. Uh, it don't matter to me. Uh, just a young kid coming in that's hungry. 
Do you remember uh, your feelings before you were drafted? Grand Valley State, a lot of people didn't know about you coming out of there, and here you are, you know, a fixture on the Ravens and in the NFL. Take us back to those moments. It was the, it was like the worst times and the best times, you know, the mm-hmm. starting of a book. But uh, it was crazy, it was crazy emotional. Uh, you didn't know where you was going to end up. You didn't know what was ahead of you. And uh, you just you just waiting for the phone to ring. You know, and it's, uh, it's, a, it's a terrible time, but it's also thrilling because, uh, you know, it's it's the next chapter. So it was who was calling you? Was it Ozzy? Was it Coach Harbaugh? Uh, Ozzy was the first one to say something. And uh, when I ha- actually took a visit to Baltimore. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was in a, a team room or, the, like, the players' lounge, and I was playing pool. And I was like uh, – I was talking to him. I was like, you know, you're going to play me in pool? He was like, I don't know, and we'll find out in a couple of weeks. And he actually called and talked about that, so that was pretty cool. So and who I, won? We haven't played yet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I got to see. I was with you at the uh, the reentry graduation a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. and I appreciate you doing that too. It's an important program, uh, help people reenter who have uh, you know stumbled in life. Yeah. But you told a story about your struggle with you know battling back from an injury, not knowing if you're going to make it in the NFL. You know, you're thinking you, you were done, yeah. um, and now all your dreams are shattered. You worked through it, and now you're a veteran looking at getting paid, like uh, probably your next contract. How's it looking back on that? Because that's not like it was a really tough time for you. Uh, it was, man. Uh, it, it helped me tremendously mentally more than uh, physically, and, and then I was able to handle those emotions going through that because, uh, like I said, at the reentry program, I, I felt alone. I, I felt like isolated during that time, and uh, I felt like it was just me going through it. But it was a, it was like the whole team, the whole program, Grand Valley football program, that was going through it with me. And uh, my brothers helped me out uh, a lot, but that that was like a low low point because you know uh, I thought all my dreams was done. Right. But uh, you know I, I battled back and I I worked my butt off. And I, I still do it to this day. You know, I still I still have that drive till this day. So here's the backstory on Judon. Now, I guess he was part of the radio's draft coverage, uh, but not until 7 p.m. Thursday today. Uh, he thought it was a.m. So he was just there wandering around, hanging out. And as you heard, the guys on the Big Bad Morning Show saw him walking by, sent somebody after him pulled him on, and he ends up doing some extra work about 12 hours earlier than he was supposed to. But those are the things that happen. We all make mistakes, and it leads to good radio for them and for us here on Around the Dial, which is done today, as you might have noticed, in all football theme. We'll try to do that tomorrow as well with plenty of reaction from around the country on round one of the draft and then resetting for rounds two and three on Friday night. Until then... My thanks, as always, to Andrew Kaplan and to you for listening. And, of course, for DA, let me hang out with you. I'm Andrew Bogish. We'll see you one more time this week on Around the Dial. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app. Hey, everyone. 
everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 